Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. A few things about heaven, let me give you, and I want you to try to keep up with me if you can't. A few things about heaven. Number one, heaven is real. Is there a witness here? Heaven is real. It's not the heaven of Hollywood. Amen. Heaven is real. It's not some ethereal place, some ethereal existence where we float into nothingness. Listen, the book of Revelation, John tells us, uh, when, when he looked at heaven, uh, heaven was beautiful. Heaven uh, was brilliant. It was a brilliant rainbow coming from the throne of God. Can you get that picture? A beautiful rainbow of colors coming from the throne of God. And it was just bright and brilliant in heaven, which tells us that, that, uh, that the heaven is full of color. Heaven is not all white. Let me go to the next point. Amen. Heaven is beautiful. Heaven is awesome. Heaven, in heaven, you'll receive your new body. I don't know about you, but I'm glad about that because this one's wearing down. (laughs) This one's wearing down. Okay, so some of y'all seen the Facebook post my my daughter put up. Did y'all see it? Okay. Let's get the elephant out the room, okay? So there's a Facebook post my daughter put up of me dancing. And um, I was, for those of you who've seen, y'all know I was dancing hard. And uh, I'm telling you, I put my heart in that thing. And uh, man, I'm telling you, the next morning I woke up, everything was hurting. You know you're hurting when your nose hurts, okay? Everything was aching and hurting. And I'm like, ooh, I'm not young as I used to be. And uh, you know, in heaven, you're you're, going to get a new body, You'll get a new body, and nothing will be hurting in heaven. Hallelujah. Nothing will be hurting in heaven. It seems, it seems, oh, with every year, something breaks down. Where are my people at? Every year. Doesn't it feel like every year something else goes? I don't know. Everything just hurts, and the Bible, body gets old. The body is a tent, a shell, a place for our spirit to dwell. This body is an earth suit fitted for earth. And when you get to heaven, you're going to get a heaven suit fitted for heaven. In heaven, you're going to get a new body. Heaven is real. Here's the third point. Heaven is right. Heaven is right. Did you know that? Heaven is right. Heaven is a place where all wrongs are made right. Heaven will be a place of righteousness and rightness. 
a place where everything evil is absent and everything good is present. Everything sad will be gone and only joy will exist. Everything disappointing will disappear and everything exciting will appear. Everything depressing will be gone and everything hopeful will come. No sickness and no disease, no pain, no sadness in heaven. Everything is made right. Revelation 21, 4 tells us, and he, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death. Are you glad about it? No more sorrow, no more crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. You should be glad about that. You know, somebody asked me one time, they said, Pastor Rodney, well, you know, when I see my grandmother in heaven, I'm going to be crying and hugging her. I'm going to be so happy to see her. And I said, you know, you'll probably be happy to see her, but I don't think you'll be crying. Because in heaven, there's no more tears. There's no reason to cry. And I think in heaven, we're going to have a different relationship. On the earth, we have grandma, nana, and pop-pop. That's what my grandkids call me. I'm pop-pop. Not nana, I'm pop-pop. Nana's nana. Amen. And I don't think we're going to have that kind of relationship in heaven. Uh, Will we know each other? I think we will. But will it be like that? I don't think so. Because the focus of heaven will be Jesus. The focus of our, we'll be worshiping Jesus. We'll be gathered around the throne like the elders and and the angels gathered around the throne and singing worthy, worthy, worthy is a lamb. So will we know each other? Yes. We'll be crying? No. The relationship will be different. Number five, another great thing about heaven is that you're going to be surprised who's there. Write that down. You'll be surprised who's there. And listen, you also won't be surprised who's not there. Right? You're going to be surprised who's there. You're going to be like, you? Man, God really is a great God. He's awesome, man. He let you in. Woo. Okay. Good thing I ain't God. No, just kidding. Listen to this. Title, the best poem in the world. He was shocked. I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door, not by the beauty of it all, nor the lights or its decor. But it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp. The thieves, the liars, the sinners, the alcoholics, and the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who stole my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Bob, who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus, what's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. And Jesus said, quiet, my child. They're all in shock. No one thought they'd be seeing you. Yes, you'll be surprised who's there, and you're going to be surprised what? Who's not there. That's right. Another great thing about heaven, you tracking with me? Heaven, listen, there's going to be variety in heaven. Variety. What do I mean? Notice the Bible says there are many mansions in heaven. This word mansions oftentimes, unfortunately, gives people the wrong impression. People think that heaven has many big, huge mansions. Or many big, huge houses. Uh, Like heaven is going to be a really, really nice upscale subdivision. Some people think that. And of course, Peter is standing at the gate, handing out maps of the property. 
You can take your golf cart and go eight blocks, turn left. Your mansion is third on the right. People think that. Listen, there's a lot of speculation. If you were to go and do your homework on this topic, many mansions or mansions as referred to, talked about by Jesus, you'll find that people are all over the place with, you know, what are many mansions? Uh, what is many mansions? Some have said that many mansions is a hotel room um, or hotel rooms. I'm not making this stuff up. Some have said many mansions is spiritual bodies or spiritual activity. This word mansion is translated dwelling place, abiding place, or rooms. It would read, in my father's house are many rooms or abiding places or dwelling places. Listen, the truth be told, we are not sure and no one can be definitive about what this mansion is. And, 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 and what are these mansions? Nobody can be exactly sure as to what they are. I've heard some good speculations. I've, had some, I've heard some good positions. But nobody can be, be really sure. What we do know is let's put this in context. Let's put this in the context of what, Je- of what the disciples heard when Jesus said this. In those days, families would grow by adding rooms to their house. So when the kids got married and they had kids, mom and dad would simply add a room to the house. As the family grew, another room, the family keeps growing, another room. Uh, we can't relate to that these days because we don't add a room. The kids just come back home and move back into their room. <laughs> Unfortunately. It is true. They go away, but they come back. <laughs> Parents, where you at? You know that's true. They go away, but they come back. Amen. We love them. So listen, the point that Jesus is making is that there is plenty of room. We can definitively know that. That there is plenty of room. No overcrowding in heaven. No weary traveler will be turned away. No, no vacancy signs. Heaven is as wide as the love of God. There's plenty of room in the Father's house. Well, listen, here's another great thing about heaven. The greatest thing about heaven, let's say that. The greatest thing about heaven is that God is there. Amen? Amen. The grace in my heaven is God's there. You know what? I don't care if heaven were in a super Walmart. If God is there, it's heaven. Because heaven is heaven, not because of the streets of gold and the walls of Jasper too. Heaven is heaven because God is there. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. Will you do that? The greatest reward of heaven is God himself. Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself. Come on, y'all read that with me. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Heaven is heaven because God is there, and God is our God. And Jesus says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, Jesus says, I'm not just saying this to make you feel good. Trust me. I've always told you the truth. And if it were not so, I would have told you. Verse 3, I go to prepare a place for you. Oftentimes, we think Jesus preparing a place is like he's remodeling, or he's been rearranging the furniture and getting the house ready for guests. Think about this. When Jesus talks about preparing a place, he could have been referring to 
his soon death on the cross. Because that's the only way to get to heaven is through the cross. And just a, a, a day and a half from now, he will be going to the cross to pay that penalty for our sins, preparing the way for us to get to heaven. So it's very possible that he's talking about the cross. He says, I go to prepare a place for you and I will come again and receive you. Jesus isn't only going to get things ready. Are you listening? You're going to love this but he's coming back to get us and take us, very important, get us and take us to heaven. He himself is coming to get us. He could have, I'll wait while you clap your hands. He could have sent some flunky angel to come get us. Amen. He could have, but he himself, is going to come down and take us by the hand and take us to be, lead us, guide us to be with him. I remember when we were in the Pentecostal church, we were in Church God in Christ, friendly Church God in Christ. We used to sing this song, Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. Yeah, Lord, take my hand. Now I know where they got that from. Precious Lord, take my hand and lead me. And Jesus is going to take our hand and lead us to be with him. This could also be speaking of the rapture of the church. It's probably also talking about when it's time for the believer to cross over. He doesn't just fall out into darkness and he catches us. Jesus receives us. He builds the bridge and comes personally to get us and take us by the hand and leads us to the Father's house. And make no mistake, saints, listen, Jesus wants you in heaven as bad as you want to be in heaven. He wants you in heaven as bad as you want to be in heaven. And as soon as the Father gives a green light, you better know it's going to happen fast. Jesus wants you up there as bad as you want to be there. Point number three, and finally, trust his person. Look at verse four. Jesus says, where I'm going, you know, and the way you know. Look at verse 5. Thomas said, Jesus, we don't know what you're talking about, and we certainly don't know how to get there. Now, thank God for Thomas. <laughs> Thomas was the only honest one in the room. Thomas is the only honest one. Jesus is saying to them, listen, guys, I'm going away. Everything is all good. Uh, you're, you're going to be with me. I'm preparing a great place and a means for you to get there. Jesus says, I know uh, you know where I'm going and you know how to get there. And it was Thomas who said, Lord, we don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Thank God for Thomas. The other disciples are probably going, yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to you. Jesus. Yes, so, yes, we know. You know, Matthew, you know? Yeah, we know. Luke, you know? Yeah, Peter's probably going, yes. And Thomas goes, huh? What are you talking about? We don't know what you're talking about. We don't know how to get there, and we certainly don't know the way. Thank God Thomas was honest because of Thomas's honesty. We have one of the greatest well-known verses in, most, in all of the Bible. It was at that point when Thomas said, we don't know what you're talking about. We certainly don't know how to get there. We don't know the way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. 
It's because of, what, because of Thomas' honesty. And doubting Thomas, well, Thomas is honest. And because of his honesty, Jesus clearly tells us, make no mistake, make no bones about it, no questions need to be asked. How do we get to heaven? Jesus said, through me. Amen. Through me. That's the only way to get to heaven. Through me. Not through works, not through what you do, how good you be, how nice you are, but through him. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. Kenneth Wiest, who was a Bible teacher from Moody Bible Institute, he translated this verse this way. He said, I alone am the way. I alone am the truth. I alone am the life. In other words, I alone, in counter distinction to all others, am the way, the truth, and the life. And notice, no man comes. This is in the present tense in the Greek, and it reads, no man has ever come, no man is coming, and no man will ever come to the Father but by me. Do you understand this is a radical statement? This is a radical, intolerant statement. Yeah, I said it. I used the I word, intolerant. It is a radical, intolerant statement. Jesus didn't say, I'm one of many ways. He said, I am the way. In other words, he is the only way. He's not a way. He's the way to the Father. He's the truth. Are y'all getting this? A lot of talk in our culture about truth, isn't it? People talking about truth these days. A very common saying. Have you heard this? Um, You're talking to somebody and they're talking to you and they say, well, this is my truth. Have you heard that? Listen. People are saying, this is my truth. So they tell you something or whatever, and they go, well, this is my truth. Listen, you don't have a truth. <laughs> Say amen, somebody. You don't have a truth. We don't all get to have our truth. Now, don't get me wrong. I realize what I'm saying right now is not politically correct. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't get to have a truth. Jesus is the truth. And by virtue of definition, it's one truth. One truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. I think when Jesus was in the garden of, think of when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, John chapter 17, and he's praying for the disciples, and he's praying for himself, and he's praying for the world. And he said, Jesus, he said, Father, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Remember he said that? So he was saying, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. And then I think of John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So if Jesus says, sanctify them by thy word, thy word is truth. Then in John 1, 1, he says, in the beginning was the word, Jesus is making it clear that he is the truth. That's why he can come along in John 14 and say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one truth. Jesus says he is that one truth, and all other truths are a lesser, inferior truth. He is the life. He is the principle and source of life. Ask Lazarus two chapters ago. Lazarus, Come forth. Lazarus, come back to life. He is the life. 
So if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. And if you have Jesus, you have life. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. Will you do that? Thomas Akempis, a medieval Catholic monk who lived uh, 1350 to 1471. And he said this. He said this beautifully. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. And without the life, there is no living. I am the way which thou shouldest pursue. I am the truth which thou shouldest believe. I am the life which thou shouldest hope for. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I'm the only way. And some people, that bothers them. And Jesus says, I'm the only way. Well, what about the, you know, Hare Krishnas? And what about the, you know, people in Shintoism? And what about the people uh, in, in, in Islam? And what about all the people who don't come through Jesus? That's not fair, they say. It bothers me that Jesus says he's the only way. Well, listen, it doesn't bother me a bit that Jesus says he's the only way. I am blessed, amazed, and it is incredible that there is even a way. He could have said everybody. The amazing thing is that a sinner can come into the presence of a righteous God. You need to hear me. A sinner can come into the presence of a righteous God. I'm not bothered that he says he's the only way. I think it's amazing that there is even a way. He could have left us all to die in our sins. Instead, Jesus took upon himself the sin of us all. Am I right about it? So I'm happy there is a way. I'm closing here. If Jesus is not the only way to God, then he isn't any way to God. If there are many roads to God, then Jesus isn't one of them. Because he absolutely claimed there was only one road to God. He is that road. And if Jesus isn't the only way to God, then he's not an honest man. And if he wasn't an honest man, then he couldn't be considered a true prophet. There is no middle ground. He's either the way, the truth, and the life, or he is a liar. The only way to be fulfilled, listen, coming in for a land. The only way to be fulfilled, the only way to gain access into heaven, The only way to gain entrance into heaven is by relationship with Jesus Christ, is by knowing him. Man comes up with all kinds of ideas. His quest to find entrance into heaven and right relationship with God. There's only one way. Listen at this. Greece, man's quest. Greece said, be wise, know yourself. Rome said, be strong and discipline yourself. Judaism said, be holy and conform yourself. Epicureanism said, be sensuous and enjoy yourself. Education says, be resourceful and expand yourself. Psychology says, be confident and fulfill yourself. Materialism says, be acquisitive and please yourself. Pride says, be superior and promote yourself. Asceticism says, be inferior and suppress yourself. Diplomacy says, be reasonable and control yourself. Communism says be collective and secure yourself. Humanism says be capable and trust yourself. Philanthropy says be unselfish and give yourself. Listen, none of these ways has brought fulfillment to the lives of people. None of these ways. Solomon himself, 
who had everything at his fingertips. He drank from gold, solid gold cups, and ate off of solid gold plates. He had everything, and women, and, and 700 wives, and I don't know how he did that. And <laughs> Sorry, I got stuck. And he had everything. And it was Solomon himself who got to the end of his life, and he said what? Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. In other words, empty, empty. That word empty, vanity, could also be meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. It all is meaningless. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, am I right about it? Come on, clap your hands and say amen. We do that. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.